jean jackets, steel wool, and blackberries, all today on this episode of the Booterverse. Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of the Booterverse. We are happy that you've tuned in. Today we have comedian James Colby with us. He'll be talking jean jackets and Chris Jericho. Judy Scheinbaum answers his questions, and of course we have some Booter thoughts for you, all on today's episode of the Booterverse. Hey there, Marsha Houlihan here for Flip Flops. That's right, Flip Flops, or what we call in Minnesota, snowshoes. And now for news in my orbit. It's a question every cohabitating couple probably wonders at one time or another. Just how big does your home have to be before it's possible to completely avoid your significant other? Now a Brooklyn Heights pair knows for certain, 11,000 square feet to be precise. Helen Leaf finally stumbled across that answer last week when she received a text from her husband Stuart asking her to please bring home some short ribs and body wash. She says she texted him back that she was home and that she hadn't left for three days. It was the craziest thing, she said. Turns out he was in the wine room and I was in the foyer of the third floor walk-in closet. I hadn't seen the bum since Tuesday. The couple had recently upgraded from a mere 11-room condo in Manhattan where they complained they ran into each other at least once a day. The dream of completely losing one's partner at home seems sadly out of reach for most couples, like Stan and Sarah. We have only 800 square feet, he grumbled. The only place in our apartment where I can't at least see her is from behind the refrigerator, and only if I stand on my right foot, lean over a little, and squint. Other couples recount how they often have high hopes when one of them disappears into another room for a while, but they experience continual letdown when that person inevitably reappears. Laundry rooms were cited as the most promising place to lose their mate. But to date, nobody has ever gone in to find that odd sock and stayed gone long enough. With the cost of such large dwellings out of most people's price range, it appears that for now, complete domestic avoidance will be reserved for the well-to-do. It's just one more piece of the American dream were denied, Stan and Sarah lamented. So when you can no longer get lost in each other's eyes, no, it is possible to get lost in your home. But as with most other things in love, size does matter. Moving to technology, are you addicted to your smartphone? Is it wreaking havoc on your relationships with friends and family, crippling your productivity, and filling you with crushing guilt? Well, Ed Miliband feels your pain. The British prime ministerial hopeful has had a long love affair with technology, going back to his manic minor obsession in the 80s, a game on which numerous future labor leaders were successfully indoctrinated. Now, however, Miliband admits his tech obsession has almost brought about his political downfall. And while David Cameron campaigns on a platform of repairing the economy, Miliband's own personal battle to become a fully functioning human being is causing technologically enslaved voters to take notice. In a recent interview, Miliband said he would check Twitter as often as 500 times a day to see if any of his colleagues had compared his parliamentary quips to the best lines of Mr. Bean. That eventually began to take time away from maintaining his Instagram shrine to the hairstyles of Robbie Williams. There at the end, I was down to posting just 10 pictures a day, Miliband said. 
And that's simply unacceptable, never mind showing up to, you know, make laws and all that. He knew he had to do something drastic, so he ditched his iPhone, got a Blackberry, and is now singing the praises of that device's rather limited functionality. It's a complete piece of crap. There are only about three apps that work on it, he says. It's perfect. Never mind that it takes him almost as long to simply make a phone call as he once spent each day playing Farmville. That's just to say he is firmly on the BlackBerry bandwagon. And should his bid for Downing Street fail, he has revealed that he will be the new spokesperson for the brand, pitching a slogan he came up with himself. BlackBerry, taking the technology out of your life by taking the life out of your technology. But for now, he's thrilled to devote himself to the election and has bid to have the most successful technology died in British politics since Margaret Thatcher gave up Frogger. In craft brewing, while industry predictions say the future has never been brighter for craft brewers, the brewers themselves are experiencing depression in record numbers. The reason? It seems Americans are finally discovering they prefer beer that actually tastes like something. So it's not our clever product names or our artsy labels, one urban brewer lamented as a single tear dripped down onto the pearl button of his vintage cowboy shirt. We put our hearts and souls into naming our beers. They're like our children. When you put something out there into the world called Aphrodite's Ladyscaper or the Kilt Blower, you think that you're making a difference in people's lives. You just never want to think they're trying your beer because it's a step above gerbil urine. Another brewer with a generously proportioned handlebar mustache and a well-placed anchor tattoo got so choked up he could barely speak. He had recently seen a psychiatrist to try and cope with the grief that his label featuring a cross-dressing sailor driving a minivan might not actually be superior to the label on a bottle of Milwaukee's Best. I can't even deal with this. I can't even. By the thousands, brewers like these are struggling to grapple with the reality that they may just not be as hip and awesome as they had previously believed. If the problem isn't resolved, however, it is feared the entire craft brew industry could collapse. For now, the biggest hope is the Beer Bitches Brewers Exchange program being piloted by Anheuser-Busch and Portland-based brewery Steins of Fire, makers of Harry Porter. Under the program, disillusioned craft brewers can swap jobs with employees of the huge national corporation. So far, the response has been encouraging. 33 quote-unquote beer bitches have been successfully rehomed to Anheuser-Busch facilities. One who now resides in East St. Louis enthused, It's so perfect here, so pristinely urban. And Golden Gnome Brewery, now mostly staffed with former Budweiser employees, plans to introduce Mainstream, the first beer born of the crossover this summer. Mainstream will be available on tap in sports bars nationwide and wherever PBR is sold. And that's been it for News in My Orbit. Today's episode of the Booterverse is brought to you by Clover. Clover. Everybody needs a little luck when they have braces. It's now that time in the show when Judy Scheinbaum answers our guests' questions in a segment we like to call The Last Lung with Judy. Judy Scheinbaum, take it away. Oh, thank you, Emery. It's so good to be here. You are a lovely gem. I love you. So, comedian James Colby, you're here in the studio. I hear you have some questions. Ask away. Uh, yes, uh, Miss Judy. I 
I have a few questions that I've uh, worked up here. Thank you for calling me Miss Judy. A lot of people don't give me that kind of respect. I like you already. Go on. Well, I'm a gentleman, and my first question is, uh, my girlfriend found my comic book stash. Now she's accusing me of having unrealistic standards for women. Do you think this is accurate? Well, I don't know. What kind of comics are you looking at? If they're of naked women, probably. But listen, I, I'm not here to judge. I want you to be you and her to be her. So, you know, if you're happy with them and she's okay with them, you know, maybe she just needs to understand the genre that comic books, you know, offer men, you know, women with superpowers. Maybe she has some, maybe she doesn't. I don't know. I think it's more the spandex spider woman can see her nipples through the... Listen, I saw, I saw that Spider-Woman cover the other day, and let me tell you something. That sort of thing would make Larry Flint blush. But I want you to know it's not a sexist thing. I mean, seriously, women can be powerful, too. Look at me. I'm here in a moo-moo, and I think people know Judy has power. Women, I love them. I am one. Go us. Fair enough. Indeed. So, my girlfriend accuses me of cheating. Do you cheat? On my diet. Well, so my question is a two-part question. Does soda really count as cheating on Atkins diet? Not if it's diet. Next. The second part of that question, are Funyuns vegetarian? Absolutely. Listen, they're at the top of the food pyramid. It's They're fine. I love a good Funyun. Seriously, anything with the word fun in it, it's going to be in my mouth. You know what I mean? Mm. So my girlfriend likes to keep the flag blowing year-round in our backyard. The American flag? Of course the American flag. That's because we're Americans. Go on. But she keeps it Does flying. she keep it as, at half-mast? Is she sort of hearkening back to you, sir? Do you keep your flag at half-mast? She doesn't. Sometime, you do. It's okay. You can talk to me. I'm Judy. Sometimes I... Sweetie, open up. Sometimes I get nervous. That's okay. Listen, we all have performance problems. I mean, not me, you know, because look at me. I'm a gem. But you, you know, listen, you're young, you're virile. Any woman would be happy to have you. Well, thank you. No, um, thank you. But my question is, is uh, she keeps her flag flying year-round, rain or shine, cold or hot. According to flag codes, can she do this? Absolutely not, but seriously, there are more codes in America, and this is my code. My colors might fade, but they certainly don't run, and that's how I keep my flag. Next. All right, my next question is actually from a uh, female friend of mine. Oh, seriously, this is good. You have female friends. I like you. You're good. You're, you're diversifying. You're like Warren Buffett, but of, you know, people. So she asked, uh, my husband constantly refers to me as quote my wife is it still appropriate to quote borat no next all right my final question is i've tried to quit smoking so i've stopped buying my own cigarettes are there any other tips that can help keep me from smoking well sweetie as i think the listening audience knows i have given up smoking a long time ago and if you ask me the best thing you can do to quit smoking is just go behind a corner and if people don't see you you know it's like you're not doing it good advice listen it's the best advice i've ever given anybody or taken myself well miss judy i do want to thank you for uh your sound advice of course, sweetie. You are a little gem. You can come back anytime you want. Well, I appreciate that.
Thank no, you. I appreciate you. Look at you. Oh, damn, you're gorgeous. Stop it. Oh, my, you're making me get a little... Seriously, a woman in a moo-moo doesn't get that all the time. But, you know, from you, Jimmy, I'll take it. Well, Can I... I call you Jimmy? I'm going to call you Jimmy. And we'll be right back right after this. I love you all. And we'll be right back right after this. That's right, everybody. It's Glenn McDougall here for Yoga Pants. That's right, Yoga Pants. It's the only thing I wear under my kilt. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Booterverse podcast. I am sitting here with comedian James Colby. James, it's great to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. You are so welcome. Can I call you Jimmy? I'd rather you didn't. Okay, then. Now, James, your last name, Colby, are you in any way related to the man that made Colby Jack Cheese? Um, mm, wow, it's been 27 years on this earth. Haven't heard that one before. Seriously? Yeah. Well, here on the Booterverse, we <laughs> want to know. We want to know, James. Uh, no, because that's, uh, well, that's not actually my last name either. It's so. not, your, you've been toying with us. I have. So you chose this name. Uh, it's, it's, uh... Yeah, of sorts. Yeah. Mm. Yes, like it, like Jack the Ripper. He didn't. He didn't. You know, go into the world as Jack the Ripper. It just kind of happened. Um. Yeah. Mm. Organic. It's. it's yes. A, it's an organic transition. You become something. Oh right, and you're becoming James Colby. Who is James Colby? Uh, James Colby is a uh, uh, wonderful, malevolent human being. Malevolent. Ooh, I like that. Does that have something to do with wearing capri pants? Uh, no, not really. Hmm. Okay, we'll look that up. Now, James, you are a comedian. How long have you been at it? Um, that's a good question. Uh, <clears throat> I think since, since 2010. Mm, good so, year, 2010. Um, good vintage. Yeah, uh, so I originally started... Uh, me and a friend of mine, my old roommate from college, he, he, him and I started doing comedy together. He had this idea for a stand-up bit. Um, or no, he had this idea for a sketch bit uh, for a burlesque show that he was asked to do and he needed a partner. So it was what we came up with was a human ventriloquist act. So you weren't wearing a corset? Uh, I wasn't yet. Uh, mm. I'll get to that. Oh, please um, do. But this act was, uh, I came out as this uh, drunk, belligerent. No. Uh, more so than usual. Mm. And uh, I came out as this uh, drunk, like, hacky, loser ventriloquist. And I told a few terrible jokes. And uh, then I said, well, if you, as you noticed, I brought my briefcase out here. I have a friend. Would you like to meet him? And Was it your little friend? Yeah, as uh, yeah. Um, well, and then the crowd would cheer because they wanted to see a ventriloquist. Who wouldn't want to see your little uh, friend? I was introduced as a ventriloquist. Ah. So I open up the case, pull out a bottle of Four Roses that was filled with iced tea, and then just proceed to chug it, pull out a rubber glove. Out of where? Lube it up with Crisco out of the briefcase. Oh, okay. Lube it up with Crisco, also from the brief briefcase. And then uh, I said, you can come out now. And he would come out, and I would just slide my hand up the back of his shirt. And he would sit on my lap, and then we would tell hacky jokes together. Wow, that sounds a lot more intimate than most people are willing to go for a burlesque show. It was a 10-minute fisting joke. Wow. Wow, <laughs> that takes commitment. <laughs> sir, I love this about you. You, sir, are a man of commitment. Uh, yeah, yeah. You, you commit to your bits. 
as they say. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, you get, you got to. Uh, you know, even if it's failing, you have to finish. That's so good. That wise words from Mr. Colby. Do I detect a hint of sarcasm? No, I just I I don't know what failing is. It's not even in my vocabulary. <laughs> I haven't failed since well. Really, never. There was, well, there was one time it involved water skis and, well, never mind. Anyway, you have been doing comedy since 2010. Again, good year vintage. Now, James, so we're moving from 9-11 to 2010 burlesque. You're putting a, you're, you're putting your fist up a man's backside. Now, what got you onto stage by yourself? After that, doing stand-up alone, you and a mic and, and a stool, or perhaps a bottle of Jack Daniels. Now, when you're approaching the stage, how do you craft a joke? Do you find that just humor you see on the street corner is good, or humor that uh, sort of wells up inside you, television? You seem like you like local access TV. I do. Uh, I, uh, lately, I've been, I've been having some pretty good success with... Uh, with um, uh, a bit about a local attorney mm. who does commercials here in Lexington. Um, is this like the call me now sort of like, have you been in an accident? Sort yeah, of thing? absolutely. Absolutely. And he's got that Southern accent. He's originally from Kentucky. He lives in Florida now. He's got offices all over the, uh, all over the South. And I think a little bit elsewhere as well. Do you find any insecurities make you funnier? Um, I used to play a lot about how I'm how a lot of people think I'm gay. I would never have known that by your American flag jean jacket. Uh, well, uh, this is what is gay about something that Bruce Springsteen would wear? Nothing, because the man was as heterosexual as God. And God's pretty heterosexual. He totally is. That whole Trinity, Father, Son. Holy, he, he even wrote a book about it. Oh, he did write a book about it. <laughs> he did. That's all yes. that book was about. That was the only thing that book was about. <laughs> that is so true. I mean, I've read it from cover to cover a couple of times, and I, yes, you're right, James. Or at least in Indiana. Oh, now talk to me about this jean jacket because I'm a little in awe of it. It's white or a cream, if I may, and it has the stars and stripes on it. On the shoulders. Correct. Um, I found it at a, at a uh, teenager clothing store and it was it happened to fit and uh, my girlfriend likes to shop for teenager clothes they they fit her pretty well um so you like small women is she, that what you're she's, saying she's pretty petite mm. um and uh i happened to see this jacket um amidst me carrying her her, uh, her selection because you're yeah. more of a servant I, 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 in this relationship you know occasionally while i'm carrying her selections i can wander off for a few seconds and uh, actually explore something of my own I love and that. It, i love you exploring something of your own exactly that's so and good for you i brought i'm open to new experiences so i found this jacket and i i actually took a picture of it and sent it to a couple friends and said should i buy this jacket and they basically responded why haven't you already bought it why are you not? Why are you asking me and not showing me, James? I think you know of my sartorial splendor. I didn't get a text. You express yourself through comedy. Why this venue? Uh, why do I express myself through comedy? Um, uh, because uh, you, you want you want the you want the funny answer. You want the honest answer. I want the answer that you want to give me. All right. Uh, yeah, screw it. I'll give you the honest answer. <gasps> no uh, honesty here on the Booterverse. I wasn't really good at anything else. 
I think a lot of comedians are in that boat, my friend. Yeah. Uh, it's it, uh, And it was something I always wanted to do. Um, this is going to sound so weird coming from someone with my style of comedy. Um, when I was eight or nine years old, I heard uh, Jeff Foxworthy. Um, you I'm might from, be a redneck if. Yeah. I'm from Winchester, Kentucky. It's... Uh, it's a hamlet, if you will, a veritable metropolis of the forest, sort of a spring shoot out of the ground that is swamp water. More like a farm town that doesn't want to be a suburb of Lexington. Mm. Um, I liked mine better. Yours, yours was more poetic, but not as accurate. I'll go for that. I go uh, for that every time. But uh, Winchester, you know, like there's not a whole lot there. And so, you know, you got your good old boy relatives and whatever that. Oh, Jeff Foxworthy might be a redneck if and and honestly, like before he, Jeff Foxworthy's not a bad comedian. He no. really isn't. Um, he's a good he, comedian. He he's a little bit of a sellout. He's kind of a little. James, come on, the man wants you to know if you're smarter than a fifth grader. Come on, how can he be a sellout? Oh yeah, because he needs the money. Listen, the man needs those slim Wrangler jeans and some boots. I think you know he's got to pay for those somehow. Fair enough, because Wranglers are so expensive. You can't buy those at Kmart. Uh, oh wait, you can. Um, I, you know, I've never. I haven't. Oh wait, to, I'm sorry. Kmart's all Route 66. Um, wait, but, can we just take a moment <laughs> to suggest that you know what jeans are sold at what store? What jeans are sold at Walmart? Uh, Lee. What jeans are sold at Kohl's? Uh, Lee. Kohl's actually sells Levi's. What jeans are sold at Target? Uh, Denizen and Massimo. Dear God, man, you are like a jean savant. <laughs> I didn't even. That, well, that's impressive. My, uh, I'm leaving that in. No, that no, is my, impressive. my girlfriend's in the room right now and she's looking at me very impressed. She didn't think I knew that much. This about is what fashion. happens when you let him free range around the stores. That's I will not. I will not hesitate. This is the greatest article of clothing I've ever owned. Do you wear it every day? Um, even in the summer, I'd like to. My girlfriend tells me uh, I can't wear it to nice things. <laughs> How often, James? Do you go to nice things often? Not really. So well, I get they're... to wear the jacket a lot. Absolutely. <laughs> See, you've set up your lifestyle choices to mimic your wardrobe, and I love that about yeah, you. Like, like Easter dinner's coming up. I assume I'm probably not going to be allowed to wear this jacket. But are you going to your parents? And maybe or her she's parents? right. She might be right. Where are you going for Easter dinner? Uh, on Saturday, we're doing uh, my parents. On Sunday, we're doing hers. That's got to be uncomfortable. Uncomfortable? Doing one's parents. Talk to me about that. Uh, <laughs> oh, was that... Um, where, where is the best ham? The best ham? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know. I don't even... I think, I think we usually have lamb... At my mom's for wow. Easter. Wow, she goes all out. Oh, yeah, she loves Easter. Um, she just, like, she took that Lamb of God thing seriously, and very, she just, Well, we were, bam. We, I, uh, we, she's Catholic. I was raised Catholic. Ah, are you still Catholic? Uh, no one ever really stops being Catholic. Mm, you're just kind of, like, in in limbo? Do you yeah. think that's where you're going to go? You know, it's, it's uh, Catholicism is one of those things that just kind of hangs with you. Um, like hep, hep C. 
Uh, yeah, but n- not as physically debilitating. I mean, it's tougher on your knees because you got to kneel a lot. But mm. um, they've started putting cushions though for the kneelers. They, they have, they have. They're really in, starting to think about their patrons. But in the hardcore yeah. churches, though, man, that's still wood or or just stone. Yeah, but Francis is really changing things. He's a nice guy, isn't he? I love Pope Francis. A lot of people do. Like he's like, how could you not like the guy? He's he's wonderful. He's Latin. He is Latin. I picture Pope Francis doing the Tarantella on the Vatican balcony. What is the Tarantella? It's a dance. Oh, okay. Is a that, nice is dance. that like a Latin dance? I don't know. It's a dance. Right. How about the Macarena? I'm sure Pope Francis... We know Francis... that's Latin. Yes, and I bet Pope Francis has at one point done the Macarena, but probably not as Pope. But if he did, that would be awesome. It's... My Pope does the Macarena. One Maca, two Maca, three Maca... I'm absolving you of your sins. Isn't that awesome? It's kind of funny. Around my around our house, uh, I will just randomly yell, Hey, Macarena. Do you want to talk about that? Is that a Tourette's I thing? just or? find it hilarious that the Macarena ever existed, and I don't want people to forget that. I'm so glad, because if you said the Macarena now in probably high schools, they would have no idea what you're talking about. N- none at all. And then my three-year-old niece... Actually, like apparently I've said it so much and she was just jumping around and then she like jumps up on the couch and she just looks at me and goes, hey, Macarena, you know, like can wow. barely pronounce the words, but I could tell what she was saying. And she and I was just like, I've done my I've done my duty as a as an uncle, as a man. I have spread the good knowledge of the Macarena. Speaking of spreading good knowledge James, it's now the time in the show when we give you an open mic, a carte blanche to say or to share with the world anything you want, sir. The mic is yours. All right. Um, well, uh, last night I uh, won my first comedy competition that I've ever won. Congratulations. Uh, the Wild and Inappropriate Show, uh, hosted by Chris Hurst and Kyle Fields. Um, they're uh, wonderful comedians, uh, great guys. Um First thing I've ever really won as far as doing this art. Um, started doing this. Uh, uh, we started getting into this a little earlier, and I never really, we never really got in depth into it. Um, basically, the short answer is I wasn't really good at anything else. I've wanted to do this for a long time, um, and I finally in my early 20s worked up the courage to do it. So I've been doing it a few years, uh, about five years now. And I look at it, it's, I'm a big pro wrestling fan. And it's weird to say that my biggest influence in comedy is actually a professional wrestler. It's, uh, uh, his name is Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho has this theory. Chris Jericho is not only a wrestler, but he's also a rock star. He has a band called Fozzie. Um, they're a metal ish band um and what he'll do he'll do six months in the wwe and then he'll go on tour with his band for six months and then he'll come back with a whole new character so before he was doing this character of i'm a suit wearing jackass who is smug and uptight and i'm the best in the world and then he goes on he leaves for a while goes on tour with his band comes back and suddenly he's this snide, horrible, 
petty person, and then he'll wrestle for a while, and then he'll leave, come back, and become a good guy again, and he'll come back and be this rock star type who's all about the fans and everything. Each time he does a different character. There's no point to do the same character, I should say, each time you're into this. Uh, even if it's working, you know, something's working for a while, that's great, it's working. You make it work as long as it's appropriate for that to work. Then, you come back and you do something different. I went through this hiatus on comedy for about eight months where I did not show up to any shows, not even as an audience member, uh, because I had reached this dead-end point comedically, and I had felt the need to reinvent myself. So I came back, and when I did, I came back with stuff that allowed me to win a competition. The key to art is reinvention being appropriate for the time and that's my final thought for this well that is a wonderful final thought as long as i don't have to wear a singlet i wholly support it now how can people reach you if they want to uh you can follow me on twitter at james colby sucks i do have one video on youtube right now i'm working on getting some more videos that's going to be progress over time i'm going to work on creating a youtube channel for that so uh, here soon, you're going to be able to find that by just searching James Colby Stand Up on YouTube. Well, James Colby, thank you so much for being on the Buddhaverse. We'll be right back right after this. Buddha. Today's episode of the Buddhaverse is brought to you by Steel Wool. Steel Wool, it's from the Superman of Sheeps. Buddha. And now for Buddha Thoughts. I know what you're thinking. Booter, what do you have hanging on the walls of your home? Well, I'll tell you. I'm a big fan of Jesus art, and I'm not afraid to say it. If you don't have a velvet Jesus, you're just not trying hard enough. And as a Jesus art aficionado, I like my Jesus knocking on the windows of the UN building trying to influence foreign policy because, you know, that's how you do. Now I know what you're thinking. Isn't it sacrilegious to see Jesus anywhere else but in a church? Actually, no. I like my Jesus to wear cowboy boots, because if he's not roaming the Wild West or licking an ice cream cone in a park, I think my Jesus isn't with me. And I think you need reassurance, too. So every time you see wonderful Jesus art hanging up, think, wow, that religious figure is certainly cutting a rug with John Travolta in a Saturday Night Fever sort of way. Because if your Jesus isn't wearing a three-piece white suit of the 1970s variety, you really kind of wonder if your Lord and Savior can get down. Now I can assure you I've seen Jesus doing everything from carpentry in Jerusalem to construction in Manhattan. And I'll tell you, to get his point across, that man can really use a jackhammer. And that's been it for Booter Thoughts. Here at the Booterverse, we'd like to extend a special thanks to comedian James Colby for being on the show. We'd also like to thank you, the listeners, for tuning in. Of course, we'd like to thank Courtney and Sonny, who help on the production side, and to Quadrants, who composed our theme song. If you haven't had enough of me here, I'm also everywhere on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under the handle The Booter. And of course, we're also on Pinterest, because, you know, men should be on Pinterest? Buddha. I know interstellar travel is a bit difficult, but the Booterverse is only a click away.